Hey listeners, Cedius here. Um, I was unable to find time in the last two weeks due to work being kind of busy to do the normal post-production on the following episode. So you're going to have to deal with the long pauses that occur when we're busy nosing and tasting and occasionally when Dave is talking that uh, occur and that I usually get rid of. So uh, I'm actually interested to hear if it's a noticeable difference to those of you who uh, listen on a regular basis. So please go to scotch.xtlpodcast.com. Find this episode in the episode guide. It should be the first one on the uh, the homepage there. And uh, submit a comment. Let me know if you think it's uh, a big deal and if it's worth the time for me to, to remove all the pauses because it's a lengthy process for me to actually do it. So if it doesn't bother anybody else, um, it'd be awesome if I could stop. So please let me know and enjoy the coming show. Thanks. Fine. We'll do it your way. Of course we'll do it my way. <laughs> I am Cedius and I am Kolila. I'm Dave, and I'm Lagavulin16. Hits you like a death charge. This is just so dumb. It's the dumbest thing ever. And this is Extreme Tasting League Scotch. Edition. Alright, fine. You, you, you and that word edition. I don't know why you decided to stick that on there. It's edition. Just... Edition. Because <sighs> we're always adding, never subtracting. But it's Sometimes edition, there's not... multiplication involved, but we never divide. All right, now it's going to completely off the rails. I'm with Adam. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is episode 16, right? I can do math. Are you sure? Very sure. Are you positive? No, I'm very sure. He learns. <laughs> so it would seem... It's slow on the uptake sometimes, but I get there eventually. And the cat doesn't care. We have a glass table, and he's sitting, on, he's sitting on the fourth chair since we don't have anyone, in it, and he's just cleaning himself at us, and so... So which one are we going to start with here, Dave? Uh, we're not going to have it be secret this time around. Uh, we are doing the Brulani Wales. Waves. That's, That's what, what I said. Waves. Said. Yes. I was hoping that it actually waves. was whales. Like, not oh. whales. Not whales. <laughs> a scotch made from whales? Uh, just, uh, just because it's the color of ambergris. No, it's, I have no idea what ambergris color is, so... And, uh... Yes, for those of you who are familiar with his podcast, you recognize the joke and know that that was Adam. But yes, we still have Adam on the show. Yay! It's fun getting to do with the bit. I like the bit. I, I enjoy the bit. I, I actually suggested we do the bit because, as I stated in the last episode, that's one of my favorite parts of the show is the opening bit, just to see where people take it. And, well, and also just because our show goes downhill immediately after the bit. <laughs> it just immediately goes downhill. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and actually, when we were trying to figure out how to do the bit, Adam was the one who suggested how we do the bit, and so uh, I, I think it worked out enough for uh, uh, you know. I was the parody. Bit once. What? I was the bit once. <sighs> I don't know why I try. Once. once. Be the ball, Dave. Once, ball. once a man. There's another. There's another horror show hot dog. Once bit. a man. We often once reference. A man. We often reference once a man. I, I, but you're a woman. <laughs> well, if we're going to go that road, I think we should chat out over the scotch. So, yes. So, what, 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 what do we got? Roulette waves? All right. So, I'm mm. before we even go there, I'm going to say it's going to smell of peat and salt because we've done this one before. Yeah. And, ooh, there's that salt. And the peat. Mm. Peat, See, peat, and salt. Mm-hmm. See, I, I, I. More salt than peat, I, I would knowing, say. Knowing the two that we're going to do, I was, I was really hoping you would have done this one second because I, I would have wanted to close the show on a high note. We'll have to see how I feel about the uh, the other one, because I don't know that I've had the other one that we're doing later. Well, I, I am famously a hater on Oban. Oh, so you're causing pain for yourself, too. No, I love that scotch. Oh. I love that scotch. All right, so but the Oban I, I, I hate the regular Oban, right. like, with a burning, fiery passion. Like, it's, it's like, the regular Oban uh, 14 is... Uh, uh, you can get, usually typically runs anywhere between 60 and $80, it is not worth that. Hmm. It is not worth that at all. I would not pay forty dollars for a bottle of Oban. You can get it for about fifty if you if you really try, or, or go to Sam's Club. Okay. Sam's Club will sell to you for fifty bucks. Um, fifty three, I think. Um, and it's still not really worth that. But uh, that that bottle that we've got back there is uh, the Oban uh, Distillers Edition, and that is uh, it's it's kind of made of magic. 
and we'll taste that one second. And so in the meantime, we have the Brugladi waves first. So you um, just like a, a, you say a power of like a, a hatred, like of a burning sun. Would you say that you have like the, the fury the, and some power of how there's fury and power in how you hate it? Yes, the fury and the power of the burning hatred of a hundred fiery suns. That's a Miles Quarterman type scenario. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting very mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're doing all sorts of in bits from from our from our gig. And, and I understand this, and Dave knows enough to be able to play along with the joke, apparently, even though he's never listened to that podcast. So That's just how you know he's a winner. <laughs> yeah, well, you can I, just roll with the punches. Well, yeah. and I mean, it's not like I've never heard that expression right. either. Yeah. So. yeah, and and, and and like with the last questions, I'm the odd man out. I'll just sit over here and enjoy my scotch. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting an addition to the salt and peat. There's a very seaweedy smell to this one, I think. Or maybe it's just the combination of the two is coming off of seaweed in my in my head. No, it's just very peaty. I'm getting it. I think it's been a while since we've had a peaty scotch. Oh, so. it, it has on the show. I mean, I guess I don't know when, when the, what you guys had last month because I forgot to look. Well, I needed to do the Kalila because we already did that uh, twice in club, so I figured you wouldn't miss that one. But uh, oh, and I've got a bottle at home. And uh, and and Stiggs brought a bottle of Macallan Twelve. So oh, sure, sure, sure. And, you know, we've had McCallum before, so... I yeah, no, stay in mind. I guess I can't say I missed that one. No, so... We, we, we treated you right when we knew you were going to be absent. We didn't we didn't do things you were like, God damn, why did you have that without me? So, we got that just, like, $600 bottle, and we just broke it out. We drank the whole thing, so there's none left for you ever. Actually, I think out of... I think I have the more expensive bottles. I think you, you buy a lot of bottles, but... I think mine are, I've got the higher dollar ones. Your, your high ends are higher end in terms of what you've got in your collection. I mean, I've, I'm holding off for November. The uh, the store that I, I buy my scotch at will be doing their 15% discount on all scotches again. Uh-huh. And I will be yes. uh, abusing yeah. my pocketbook and probably buying another grand worth of scotch. So As more of a scotch novice than I am, what, you don't just get high, obviously, it's not just it's more booze to it. No, no, actually, it's, actually, it's uh, it's going to be the same amount of booze. Okay. Um, uh, the the higher end scotches are going to be uh, smoother, typically. Um, they're they're going to have less of that uh, that just kind of dry alcohol burn to them. They're going to go down a lot smoother, like the like that Malt Masters edition that we did on the last episode two weeks ago. Uh, that's. Uh, even though there's no age statement on it, that's probably a 15-year. I mean, there's no age statement, so they, they probably, they, they may have put different ages in. That's usually how they work. Yeah. Um, because an age statement isn't like, this is exactly from one cask, and it's it's all 12-year. The the age statement says that it's no nothing in there is less than 12-year. Okay. So you could get a, a, a bottle of, of a scotch that's a 12-year, and fifty percent of it could be could be fifteen year and and, and whatnot instead. Um, you just you never know. Um, there's a couple of them that are, are are single barrel or come from specifically from from one one barrel. Um, the Belvini we had a few yeah. shows back. Uh, with yeah, the AON people, as a matter of fact. Yeah, um, we did uh, we did two different barrels, two different batches of the Belvini single barrel, and we rated them very differently. Very different. Um, his we hate, mine we love. <laughs> Not kidding. Such is my life. Not kidding. <laughs> no, it and, is and, a night and day difference, and no. it, is, it is ridiculous. And every, everyone on the there were five of us for that show. Three the three AON people and Dave and myself. Oh, so you had Jenna Salsa and Matt. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. And, and all three of us agreed that Dave's bottle was a full, you know. I think it was two. Full, I think it was about two points different. Full, full, wow. full point at minimum, at least. Yeah. Usually a point and a half. Sometimes as much as two points difference. Yeah, um, I, I think generated yours something like a three seven and mine like a two four. Yeah, I mean it was it was I think, huge. I think I rated mine like a like a three seven five and and, and his a two. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it was, huge. It's, it's, a, it's a substantial difference. They're very different bottles. Um, but um, like my one of my one of my two favorites, the the Glenfiddich twenty one. Is a uh, 21 years in an oak cask, so it's it's very smooth. You basically, when it's just 21 years in an oak cask, like I've got a Glenlivet 21 that's 
Um, tastes just like a normal Glenlivet. There's nothing super special about it. Tastes just like a, the Glenlivet 12, except it's way smoother. Yes. Because it's got an extra nine years mm-hmm. just sitting in the cask, just mellowing it out. Um, but the Glenfiddich 21 is 21 years in an oak cask, and then they put it four months in a spiced rum cask. And so you get that nice smoothness there with all sorts of just ridiculous amounts of spice rum flavor. And it's just, oh, it's, it's like, nice. it's like candy scotch. It's oh so good. Um, but, you know, like the Glenfiddich 21 is also something that's in my, in my repertoire. And yeah, it's super smooth and it's really great. It's not in my top two or three. I mean, I've got I've got three three 21-year-old bottles on my shelf, and two of them do not rate in my, my top three or four. Hmm. Um, in fact, my top three are going to be tied between the, the, the Glenfiddich 21, the Yamazaki 18, and then the Lagavulin 16, which is, that seriously is... Like those three are, are kind of tied in, are in a, in our three-way tie for first. And then it kind of goes from there. Um, I haven't bothered to try to score the rest of mine in any sort of order at this point in time. Maybe I will, but... Uh, well, we'll get, eventually get them on the podcast, and then you can convene them. Yeah, and then we'll then at some point in time we'll actually order them around, and they'll be like, well, maybe I ordered these, scored these wrong, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but that you know, as our depth of scotch gets deeper and deeper, we you know, I'm, I'm nuancing more and more, and it gives me grief about it. But I, I need that to be able to put it in the right perspective. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, there's a there, there's a lot to scotch, and you know the uh, like Lagavulin, they don't make anything less than a 16 year. Like, uh, they don't start below a 16-year. And then, you know, it runs about $80 a bottle, and it's worth it. Um, you know, you spend uh, $150 for a Macallan 18, which I think is the most overpriced, uh, overhyped scotch in the world. Uh, and, it's, and it's usually like 30 bucks a pour in a bar to mm-hmm. get the Macallan yeah. 18. And it's, yeah, it's And it's you, can, you can get a, a like... I don't think it's any better than the than the Glen than the Glen Fit, uh, Fittich, uh, or Glen Livet eighteen, which is sixty like a seventy eighty dollar bottle, um, and it's I, I think they taste almost identical. I certainly don't think it's worth twice the price. Mm-hmm. Um, by the same token, um, my Glen Livet twenty one is about the same price as the Macallan eighteen. They probably taste again. Pretty much the same. I mean, at that point, you're not getting that much smoother, um, and then you start getting into the higher price stuff, like the 30 years, and uh, you know, run, that are going to run you uh, easily uh, two to three hundred a bottle, usually more. Um, yeah, um, and you know, there's a. I think the Macallan 30 runs about 500 or so. Um, and I think that might be low. I, I want to say it's like 585 or 7, actually. Um, and I've never had that because that's a hell of a lot of money. Um, but the, the, the more the age is, the, typically the smoother it's going to get. Um, but it also tends to lose a lot of the extra flavors unless they put it in some other type of cask for a while or, or unless it's a PD one and then you just get a a much smoother peat, like we did the Highland Park 18, which is um, very peaty like this, except it's a again very much smoother, just because it's it's older and it's got a, mm-hmm. a lot more you time mean, to right. We haven't done the Highland Park 18 on the show. Oh, not on the show, but I'm sorry, on, on the podcast or on a, in our Scotch Club, we did the we did the Highland Park 18, and it was very smooth. But again, it also runs like 120 a bottle too. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, and there's just there's other than looking at somebody else's guide or notes, you're you're just never gonna know how good or bad something is. And there are plenty of different scoring sites out there. There's a Malt Master, Whitney Whiskey Madness. Um, now those are the only two I can remember off the top of my head. But if you look at if you just do a Google search for whiskey or Scotch ratings, you're gonna find you're gonna be tripping over yourself to find it. And and we're not the only Scotch shaping podcast, even. I mean, mm-hmm. There's other podcasts that, that do what you know more or less what we do slightly differently. We're yeah. cooler though. 
We, we, we tend to... I'll agree. You guys are cooler. We, 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 we tend to be less stuffy than those other ones. They tend to be very strict about the tasting and, and don't like laugh nearly as much as we do. So... Yeah, again, this is salt and peat. That's that's what I get on the tasting on it, too, since we're getting back to the scotch. Um, two notes, but, man, I love these notes. I don't know what it is tonight, but I, I'm getting, like, a... Slightly running over, the pacing now. I know, I watered it up. I'm, I'm getting a slightly overripe banana flavor in the finish. That's 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 the, that's the peat moss, dude. I'm familiar with peat, and, and I'm getting it a little bit different from what we usually get. Now, maybe it's peat plus this kind of salt is what's getting that to me. Or maybe there is a little bit of, you know, like I said, the seaweed in here. Maybe that's what I'm getting. But there's, definitely a, yeah, there's, definitely, a, there, there's definitely a rottingness to it, which, yes, it could maybe be the peat with the salt. But. The bog. Not the Connemara. That was the block. That was some good stuff. What was that the? Uh, that was the the Irish one that we did, right? Yes, the Irish single malt. Yep. Yeah. One of those yeah. two. So adding the water. The smell goes almost. The nose goes away. The the, the nose almost goes completely away. There's still a hint of salt there. Yeah, that's it. And that's pretty much all there is. The peat's gone. The seaweediness that I was getting is gone. Now I'm getting nothing, nothing on the nose. It becomes very light on the palate. The mouthfeel is just—it's like it's not there. Yeah, the finish is crazy salty. Yeah. This one, I I do feel like I'm drinking a salt lick. Now compare this to the space side that we had a few weeks back. When, when salsa was on, you think this is more or less salty than that? Because that this this, this oh, was this yeah. was the benchmark for salt. We were doing. Yeah. Um. That was a brulotti then too, wasn't it? No, the space side's the space side. Oh, the space side. The space side. Right. Um. I can't remember that far back, but I mean, this is still it's it's again the the body is. Almost completely goes away, and then the finish is just salt. If there was something, if there was something on the front end, I wouldn't mind the finish so bad. But I just, I don't feel like there's anything in the body. No, I, yeah, I'm not feeling this one that much myself. This one versus the of the one we did um, previously, and, and this guy. This one is not doing it for me the way the other two did. Yeah, it's uh. I don't know, I'm, I'm not feeling this one as much as I did the, the, the last time we had the rocks um, over at uh, Darren's when we did this as part of the club. I, I, I think I liked it more then than I am Was the rock? Did we do the rocks? I'm sorry, the waves. We did the waves oh. at Darren's. I'm sorry. Well, is this, this is off, is this, when did you buy this? Uh, this bottle I bought. Is this looks like the new, is this the new look? That might bought? be. And, and, and oh, we did, we, we, we did warn... When uh, when we had the conversation that the master distiller at Brulotti changed at the right point in time, mm-hmm. where the the newer bottles now might be a slightly different formula than they used to be because it's a new. Uh, Brulotti changed changed ownership okay. about twelve years ago, and uh, actually they were shut down for a little while. Um, they were they and they reopened in in oh one. Um, and so this year marked the first year of the new sets of casks. So the all the stuff that had been coming out of there for the last like seven years or the last like uh, there was a break, so they had to they had to stop for a while. But the the, the stuff that had been coming coming out of there recently um, it was different than than what's coming out now. And no one really knew how how things were gonna how things were gonna change when that flip happened. When that flip happened, because of course there's a twelve year delay on a twelve year old Scott. Right. So well, yeah, I, I'm a little disappointed. Either this is a bad bottle, or it's possible that the the new hands are are not as good, uh, or, or or have sufficiently changed it now a different formula than what it was, and so. 
Now, it, like with grapes, it could just be, you know, if this is a different year, it might be just this year is going to be wrong for me. I'll go back. I'm not getting the same sensation of this is the yachting scotch that we got the last time. No, no. Um, I do like it better dry. I poured myself yes. I poured myself another drink of it dry. So would you guys want to try it again dry or no? No, I'm, I'm okay. all right. Um, but it's it's not it's not the the awesome sauce that it was last year when we had it. Yeah, I'm I'm certainly not feeling it as much. Um, I, I I was thinking that on the comparative, I was going to end up ranking this above the space side, and now I, I don't remember what I rated it, but I'm I'm going to lay odds that they're going to be closer than I was expecting, and it's possible that the space side might win out. So, what do we got for tasting notes on the bottle, Dave? I don't know. You hit the box over there. Uh, the box doesn't have squash. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure the bottle is what you're going to want to have. Was there an insert in the... Uh, if there was, I've already taken it out. And it's just the standard generic insert for all Brulottis. Peated Ile single malt. Matured on the rugged shores of the Atlantic Ocean, this Brulotti has been lashed by winter gales for years, the maturing barrels breathing the... Yeah, it's not so easy to read. Something marine air providing wave after wave of bracing flavors as the spirit opens up in your glass. Yeah, there's some... It's a name of something or other. Probably like a cove. The cove is... Oh... Hebridian, yeah, it's, uh... I, I wanted to say Helvetica, so... Yeah. <laughs> as, the, as the font seeps in to the, the scotch. That's, that's, seriously, it looks like Helvetica. And that's, yeah. Well, and the font kind of looks like Helvetica, too. That's, that's, that's part of it. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm uh, getting an interesting misprint. The, the back label is calling it Brulotti Rocks and not Brulotti Waves. But, uh... I'm, I'm sure this is a waves port because the, the rocks does not have the salt. Well, it says waves, waves in the front. No, it does have the waves on the front and waves on the bottle, so it's just the back label was wrong. But, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not digging on this near as much. I, no. I, I thought I was going to rate this at least a three, and now I'm questioning what Now you're happy I put this front in the front. Yeah, I really am. Um, I, I, I'm going to start there. I'm going to go in there that I, I'm, I'm not sure that it's going to even hit a three. I mean, this one, to me... It's falling below average. Where the, where the bottle we had before, I certainly was going to give at least a three, 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 four. This one, I think I'm going to have to give a two seven. Oh, you're you're a generous man, my friend. I I don't think it's horrible. I, I I think it's still okay. I think it's something that I will definitely drink neat, not wet. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, it's got some peat. It's got a little salt. So I mean, it, it still is going to have its place for me. But yeah, I'm not digging it near as much. And How so. How much is that bottle? 55 or 60, I want to say. Okay. Well, it's not terrible. No, it's not bad. Maybe, maybe I'll give it a 2.6 and not a 2.7. You're right. I was maybe being a little generous. But it's still better than 2.5 for what I've done for for less than 2.5 before. So it's it's close. But, yeah, I think, I think 2.6 is maybe better. All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be I'm gonna be the Russian judge here. Um, I'm going to give it a 2 because, I, I mean, I wouldn't pour it out. I didn't pour it out, but man, if you offered me this or hell, if you offered me this or Johnny Walker Black, I'd take Johnny Walker Black. Yeah, I, I, I think I think we all know how I feel about Johnny Walker. I don't like Johnny Walker Black. Okay. Well, Johnny yeah. Walker Black is like the it's what I consider like the super low end. It's like the the lowest thing that I will drink. Like Johnny Walker Red, I can is is like I'll use that to like as paint thinner. But uh, I won't. You won't catch me dead drinking that. Um, I certainly would never order it at the bar. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just gonna give it a two. This is is drinkable, dry, but wet was just soured me so bad on it that I. You know. Yeah, this one uh, it just didn't do it for me versus the other ones, and just kind of. It was just a, I didn't really like the flavor. It just really just didn't do it for me overall. I didn't hate it, so I wouldn't. I'm not gonna go that low. But I would say I would probably. I'm probably about the mid distance between both of you guys. I think I would give it like a two, three. I just I wouldn't. I wouldn't order it. I probably wouldn't. I I, I wouldn't want to have it around. 
I definitely would be like, if I would just happen to want to have a drink and it was the only thing around, I definitely would drink it, but I don't think it would be a, on the forefront of any choices that, I, that I'd make. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm disappointed in this bottle, and I'll have, I'll have to uh, eventually get around to maybe getting another bottle again later to see if it's just the formula's changed and it's just not my thing anymore, or uh, if maybe it's just a bad bottle, but... Indeed. Indeed. We read the stuff. Yeah, we, we read the stuff and we scored it, so we're moving on to uh, getting the next pour going. And, uh, gee, with only one interviewee, I, uh, this makes interview portion number four. I'm beginning to run out of things to say. <laughs> uh, what, what, what are some other, like, okay, we've talked about your professional life, we've talked about the podcast, like, what else does Adam do? What, you know, where, where, oh, man, that's it's hard to say because I, I work so much. Um, well, well, we didn't talk much about the video stuff. What kind of music video? Yeah, I uh, primarily do a lot of a lot of, lot of hip hop stuff here. I work a lot with um, with artists who are pretty popular in the current, which is a pretty for the listeners who aren't Minnesotans is a pretty popular radio station. So I do a lot of stuff with like Doomtree and like Dessa and POS and Atmosphere and uh, Actual Wolf and oddly enough. Um, I actually had the opportunity to to go film for the Depeche Mode show that was there, but I I, unfortunately, that's that not my that's my not my particular type of music. So I actually passed on being there to shoot on that. I was there third row, so but um, I hate you too. Yeah, I know you do. But you know, I get to do a lot of really fun stuff. I really like uh, over the last year, one of my like, really fun groups that I really like that uh, normally wouldn't fit in my wheelhouse for my type of directing, but I got to go shoot with is The Faint. Who I, really, who I really like, and they were in town. I was like, "Hey, come shoot some uh, concert footage for the for the fame." I was like, "Oh, great!" Had to go to the show for free and hang out, and so you can meet a lot of musicians. As far as probably the most famous musician that I work with would be uh, I do all of Macklemore's stage show, who's the the, okay. the thrift shop guy, and you know, kind of right now as far as mainstream music goes, is kind of like the guy. So very cool. He he, he did all right at the VMAs. I'm told. So he did win a few of them. He did win a few of them. Uh, my buddies actually made the video that they won for Video of the Year and Best Hip Hop Video, and that video was pretty spectacular. Anything that you can get an old pirate ship sailing at sea and you dive off the <laughs> mast and swim a flag to shore and have, like, it's in, like, the Arctic and it's in the jungle and it's on the beach and in the ocean. It's pretty pretty epic for a music video, signaling a return to, like, the, the epic large-scale story in a music video versus the uh, kind of the... Well, like, early 90s stuff yeah. used to have, yeah. And then the oddly millennial, like, 2000s, where it's just kind of like, where everyone, when making video became cheap and anyone with a camera just made videos. Because there's an arrow for a good four or five years there where it's just kind of like, stuff just showed up. Right. You know? Which is kind of the advent of the whole Vine culture and Instagram video and, like, all that kind of, like, short-form video service now is that everyone has a camera kind of thing. So this is kind of like a signal of the return to... The big production music video. So does this bode well for for you as a as a? It makes me really happy because, as a you know, I don't want to be one of those guys as a professional. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it definitely it's really great for me. It's just because it's like I have really nice gear and I have a lot of story ideas and things that I want to do, and I would love to make narrative music videos and less performance stuff, and and so I definitely think it, it goes well. But I also like the idea that we can live in a world now where. The epic music video can exist alongside the dude shooting in his his living room by himself with a flip cam. You know, right? I like I like that idea. I, I like that there there's not one or the other. I like this. I like this future. <laughs> so when should we expect to see your first feature film? Um. Well, I, I directed a feature a long time ago when I was actually still a student, and that's been in post for the better part of five years. So that'll probably be the first thing that comes out. But this year we're going to be doing. Uh, Josh wrote, um, Josh from my podcast wrote a script and we're going to do a ABCs of horror type, uh, submission. They have a contest where you're be like, you can be the 26th director in our shitty movie, (laughs) (laughs) but we're going to, and we wanted to enter, but unfortunately I got booked for a lot of music videos before I make the exodus from Minneapolis to California. And so we're going to wait and do that probably, uh, more towards the winter. And we're going to do this really awesome short film called see us for coven. And it's basically a sorority house full of witches, and we'll leave you at that. No, I, um, I look forward to it. That's really so fun. So there's that, and then I'm also shooting a bunch of, uh, uh, if you're Reddit fans at all, um, there's a kind of a popular thing of the two-sentence horror story that's kind of populated Reddit. Oh, so yeah, I'm, shooting, I'm shooting a few of those as films 
uh, off of the two sentence stories before I leave. So a couple of those will be out. I was looking in the mirror, the reflection blinked. Yeah, uh, we we actually we already shot that one, uh, the one that it's specific one exactly, and then we're gonna shoot um, the. I tuck my daughter into bed. She asked oh, me to check under the bed for monsters, but what I see under the bed is her, another her quivering and whispering, Daddy, there's someone in my bed. Yeah. So we're doing we're doing that one definitely before I go, because that's probably my favorite of the bunch. Uh-huh. And uh, and then on top of which, ultra top secret stuff. Um, a writer buddy of mine out in San Diego wants to do a Doctor Who fan film, and I'm a monster Whovian. I love love everything about about the Who world, new stuff, old stuff. Of course. The new Who doctors are actually, I'm kind of a blasphemous Whovian, because the new doc, almost all, I'm pretty sure all three of the new doctors, uh, not including Peter Capaldi, who just got announced, are my probably my top three favorite doctors ever, which most people have a Tom, a Tom Baker or a, or a I, Peter Davidson in there. I, I grew up with Baker, so when someone says Doctor Who, the first thing I see is the scarf. Yeah, no, and that's, and that's totally A-OK. I don't have any problem. I'm not one of the, I'm not a confrontational Whovian. I'm totally okay with everyone having their own favorite doctor. But for me, I'm, I'm kind of a big fan of the new new set versus the old set, but I do enjoy the... Alright, so ranking. Are you, you Tennant first or Smith first? Because I'm guessing it's not Eccleston. Uh, it's tough because it's not Eccleston. It's definitely Smith. And it's Smith because he got to say the best things. He has the best lines as the doctor, and he's the most action-packed doctor. Anybody who gets to say... Um, and Neil Gaiman wrote just a phenomenal episode in the first Matt Smith run with the the house, and where him and this entity are arguing with one another, and the entity goes, "Fear me, I've killed I've killed dozens of time lords," you know, which you know who uh, doctor, the doctor is. And the doctor stops him and goes, "No, you fear me because I killed them all." And it's just like getting to say stuff like that, where it's like he has kind of transcended his brooding as Eccleston, where he doomed his race, and the more kind of bumbly yet charming David Tennant and being this force of nature that, that Matt Smith was. I, I kind of I kind of like that. But then again, the character arcs wouldn't be there if the other two didn't have the stories they had. Right. So, you know, I don't know. It's one of those you couldn't like aliens more because alien without alien you wouldn't have aliens kind of thing. But, right. but I still like aliens more. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I'm, I'm, I'm more an action film than a haunted house in space film type of person. A Shining in Space kind a sh- of thing? A Shining in Space, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, wait, wasn't that Event Horizon? Well, Event Horizon is the originator as far as our show goes because it makes Josh so very angry. <laughs> but anytime he's like, oh, it's like Shining on a boat. Well, you mean it's like Event Horizon on a boat is what you mean it's like. <laughs> He's like, well, Event Horizon's like Shining in Space. Well, actually, the Shining's more like Event Horizon in a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> the running gags, yes. Mm, so what are we getting? Uh, oh, yes, and this is the Oban Distillers Edition. There's an age statement. The 95 Distillers Edition, we should be clear. Just yeah, well, it's distilled in 1995. It was bottled in 2010, so it's a 15-year. Um, it's, uh, yeah, this is... Fantastic stuff. Getting, I'm liking the smell. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is a good nose. Is, is that yeah. some some plum notes under there a little? Yes, yes. There's there's a lot of plum actually, and and it's it's a fairly prominent sm- uh, smell. I'm getting some malt. Maybe it's the plum, but I'm getting kind of a sugary bit to it. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the plum. It's uh. And Dave was giving me the hairy eyeball again when I said that I'm getting a malt nose. And <laughs> yes, I know it's a malt scotch, Dave, but there's actually, you know, a, a malt, malt smell. Whiskey. I know, but not all of them smell like malt. Just shut up and accept that it smells like malt. <laughs> Moving on to taste. Definitely a plum sweetness, yeah. Yeah, there's a no snoring kitty out of the podcast. Yeah, there's a, a nice sweetness. It's got a, it still tastes the plum, and then you get a little bit of a little bit of burn on the finish, but not an unpleasant amount. I I got next to no burn on the finish, um, for me. I'm, the the finish is it, it's really sitting here, and I'm trying to state what the flavor is, and I'm just. It's weird for me because the finish I really like the burn. And then when the burn subsides, it gives me like a, I just had a really nice cigar kind of leftover taste in my mouth that, sure. I, that I kind of kind of dig. 
Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe it's kind of a leather and tobacco thing that I'm getting here that I'm trying to... There's a, there's a sweetness here. Yeah, I could... But, I, but I'm definitely getting, like, a... Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a very tobacco-y taste on the, on, the, on the finish. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, good call. This is like a... This feels like a scotch I would... Since I'm an MMA fan, this is like something I'd watch while watching the fights. Mm-hmm. Having a big, nice cigar and just... Being like a 30s-style sports fan of just mm-hmm. abusing my body while watching athletes duke it out. And Dave breaks out his cigar-sized e-cig while, while that line is being spouted. As Dave, you do. Because Dave's that kind of pretentious. I think e-cigarettes are like magical little like future flutes that make smoke. Is what they, they look like. Just kinda like I kinda, I'm not a smoker per se, but it's kind of... I like the machininess of it all. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't a smoker, but I I have one because then I can feel like a dragon. Yes. And that's really kind of what all of us really want, right? Is to feel like a dragon. We all want to be kind of like, I am the last. That's what we all kind of want to do. <laughs> no, sorry, I almost spit take you. <laughs> the nose dies down quite a bit with... Uh... When it's wet, and uh, I'm not gonna say it loses a lot of the the body, but it, it definitely does muffle. Yeah, the nose is almost gone. I'm actually getting a little saltiness in the. Yeah, yeah. Which after the last scotch is kind of scaring me a little, but I'm gonna cleanse my palate a little bit more before I drink it again. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't transfer into the body. I'll tell you that. Mm. Maybe a little. It transfers into the body. Um, oh no! I'm getting it in the body. Yeah, but it's not. It, it, yeah, I, it I, doesn't I, become overpowering. No, it's it's actually a fairly pleasant saltiness. Oh, I take that back on the finish. It's a little there. I don't. I don't feel it in the finish at all. Well, I, I thought I rinsed my glass thoroughly. Maybe I've got a little left over in the glass, but I know I rinsed my glass thoroughly because I. The burn is gone. It's very smooth. Yeah. Now. Yeah. The burn is completely gone. But uh, I do like this one quite a bit. I could drink this neat or wet. I could, yeah. I could, I could be good on either one of these. See, see, wet, it's almost, I mean, it's, it's still definitely alcoholic, but it, it loses so much of it, like, I could almost, like, drink this rather than sip it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I could. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. I could drink this bottle dry and get hammered. Be a good night for, like, a $90 bottle. Definitely got a, a very um, light mouthfeel, wet. Um, it was, it was, I think it lightened up a little bit. It was pretty light before, uh, when it was neat, but yeah, it, it's... I think I would definitely drink this neat, for sure, but, uh, just because I'd be afraid of how much I'd drink with it wet. Yeah, it definitely, it'd, it'd pull a classic kind of creeper move on you when, mm-hmm. when wet, because it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel alcohol enough to, so you're like... Yeah, no, I could probably have another ten of these. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 would, I would drink it too fast, and, and since I limit myself on the amount I pour and the number I have, I wouldn't have to worry about the consuming too much. My, my concern here was that I would just... When I, when I have a pour outside the podcast, typically, as I've stated several times in the past, I'm reading or I'm doing some long-term activity where I want something that can sit at room temperature and I'm going to nurse it for a period of time. And because this is so very smooth and can just be drank rather than sit, um, I'm afraid I would go through it too fast. Mm-hmm. So this would be something like, I want to have a scotch, but I don't have my usual amount of time. And then I would have it wet, and then I could just knock it back and go. So the, the question on, the, on this for me is, uh, will it have the... Uh, Depressive quality to be able to to knock me out, uh, and then have this would be a good scotch for me to try to drink right before going to bed if I was having a hard time getting to sleep. Where interesting uh, Where I found that uh, the thing that puts me out the most is uh, you guys had rum chata. No, it's a, it's a, it's a horchata 
alcohol with rum added. I would do very poorly with that. I would do very poorly because horchata does not. I don't even know. I'm usually not into cream drinks, but this is, you know, it, it, it's a cream and honey and, and no, cinnamon. Um, Mexican drink. Yeah, right? it's a Mexican drink. And, uh, yeah, and then it's got rum added. It's, it's, I find it pretty damn tasty. And uh, like I said, I've, I've been away from cream drinks for a long time, but this stuff was so good. I, I had it at Omega Spring. Gabriel had some. Okay. And, and I bought a bottle of it. And it's really great chilled. Uh, and it has, the, the, the two great qualities is like the glass of milk and alcohol. So I, I actually threw some in the microwave when I was having a, a hard time getting to sleep. So I had the glass of warm milk with alcohol. I was out like a light. So <laughs> and, and it was very tasty going down. So there's there's a mention of alcohol is not scotch on this show. Uh, but the horror. The horror. Yeah. <laughs> The horror show, hot dog of it all. <laughs> and I, then I slide, I slide you like a little, like a check. <laughs> he referenced uh, it. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of horror, Dave, how about you read some notes? Oh, right. Right, we do that, don't we? You do that. I do it. I do me. that, yes. Yes, let's see. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Oh, right. So this is uh, uh, one of the... Uh, Oban is one of the classic malts. It's uh, by a company called uh, uh, Diageo, um, and uh, what they've done is they bought. They own just a ridiculous amount of distilleries in Scotland. I mean, seriously, I think they. I think they own like twenty or thirty. Um, a few. And well, there's only like a hundred and ten, hundred and thirteen in Scotland, and I know they own at least twenty percent of them. Um, they own just a ridiculous amount. So. Um, Oban is one of their classic malts. It's one of the, there's six traditional regions in Scotland, and this is one of, and Diageo has determined that this is one that represents their region specifically, which is really weird because Oban tastes absolutely nothing like anything else that comes out of the Highlands. Because hmm. most of the Highlands stuff is triple distilled, which makes it relatively tasteless. Like, it, it's, they, they, there's not a lot of, a lot of flavor to most Highland stuff, whereas um, like Oban itself actually has some peat in it, which is fairly unusual for a Highland. Of, um, I think it's a Highland, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a West Highland. West Highland. West Highland. So eh, relatively that, close to relatively late in yeah. terms of so geographication. Maybe, maybe there's some, but um, it's coastal. Yeah. So and uh, I can't remember what the other ones are. Sometimes it says on the on the uh, Craigenmore, Craigenmore um, Talisker. Talisker. Kalila's in the new round. Dalwini, I think, Dalwini. was in the old round. Did um, they buy Kalila? Yeah. Oh. Uh, Glen Kinchy. Yeah, Glen Kinchy. Um, and I've got the Dalwini. I've got the Talisker. Um, I'm forgetting one. I got, got five of the six. I can't, I can't come up with what the last one was. Yeah. But I can't remember. The Western Highland style of malt. Oh, God, I don't think I'm going to read all of this. Let's see, blah, 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 blah. I like how she went into the voice and then you just, yeah, no, that's, mmm, mmm. <laughs> <clears throat> the distiller's edition of the classic malts of Scotland brings a new dimension of taste and exploration to the enjoyment of single malt whiskey. Each of the six distilleries has hand-selected a small number of their casks for double maturing. The whiskey is matured for a second time in cask wood, which each master distiller has chosen to complement the unique character of the individual malt whiskey. The marriage of cask wood and whiskey has always been a traditional tool of the distiller's craft, but the addition of a second maturing in selected cask woods brings a new depth and complexity to each to these great malt whiskies. Um, let's see, blah, 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 Is there seriously no tasting notes on here? Along the shores of Lone lies a record of man far more ancient than that of any city in the land. The first settlers arrived on the mainland in 5000 BC and sheltered in natural caves of the land then known as an ob the distillery cave was one such shelter hidden in the Kriegabarin cliffs 
which rise dramatically above the Oban distillery. Seriously, is there nothing? Is there nothing on the bottle? There's nothing legible on the bottle. No, let's see what's on the bottle. No, seriously. Oh. There's nothing legible on the bottle. And I the didn't see The coastland of the Gaelic people known as something something fall to the dreaded... It's an alpish, you gotta like put it in the fire and just turn it. Yeah, and no. it'll disappear. No, there, there seems to be no tasting notes here at all. I'm, I'm seeing nothing there. Yeah, I... <laughs> the inner bro in me wants to just go, because every time it's like, it's a lovely whiskey. It's like, yeah, but how's it compared to Jack, though, bro? <laughs> Is it as good as Jack, though? <laughs> if it's not as good as Jack, then screw it. <laughs> it's like, that's, the inner bro just wants to keep constantly, like, emerging and just, very clearly, it's like, these are way, way better than just your gross, like, Jack Daniel shelf that you find at the frat house. But it's somehow deep down, it's like, hey, bro. But is it better than like a 175 of Jack? Because that's what me and Smitty have every time. <laughs> and that stuff gets me shitty crazy. <laughs> so, indeed. Indeed. Yeah, no, I, uh... Yeah, wow, I can't believe that there's nothing on that. That is kind of crazy. It seems like there's a lot of story, though. It seems like the entire label has the scripty, elpish font. That goes, oh, like, yeah. around, like, they just printed a huge story all the way around it and just did we, are we going to put any tasting notes? no no it's more important that we put this story yes yeah <laughs> there, there, there was none 5000 BC <laughs> from a time before history that only we know because the first distillery in Scotland opened with steel and wood because <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense that's right yeah. alright Dave you, you you like this one, you go first. I do like this one. Um, I, I'm definitely going to have to say it's above average. Um, I really I really hate the, the standard Oban with a, a burning, fiery passion of a, of a hundred flaming suns. Um, but man, do I really like this. It's, it's a very tasty, tasty dram. And, uh, the Little Bay of Caves. Oh, that's adorable. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just staring at the bot at, at the he, bot. He really right is. We're, we're we're looking for a number from you. Yeah, they're looking for a number. It's OD one fifty nine FW. Not just that so number. you know. Not that that's number. That's a special release number. Ah. Uh, um, but yeah, no, I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a three seven five. It's it's super tasty, but. Um, it, it had been a four if it had held up a little bit better wet, but uh, it did not. wasn't bad wet, and certainly I could just I could drink the shit out of it wet. But I, I, I when I'm drinking scotch, I want a little bit more flavor in it, so I'm gonna give it a three seven five. Yeah, I definitely think this one's my my second favorite, and it's really close. So I can't give it above the the three five I gave in the last episode. I'm gonna say it's a three, four, five. It's close. They're they're dueling it out, but in the end it loses. But uh, I could definitely see myself having this as a regular round. So yeah, I it's above average. How far above average? Certainly not as far as Dave's got it. I'm trying to decide if if uh, I think Adam likes it more than I do, and I'm thinking he probably does. So uh, I think I'm gonna give it a three-two. It, it's solid for what it is. It, it, I agree with Dave. I've had the base Oban. Uh, I think it's superior to the base Oban. Uh, but I, I don't know that I would necessarily need to have this one around. But I, I don't have bad words. So, moving on to the question. Uh, like last time, I'm being a little themed to uh, to the guest and, and uh, some horror-related... all the questions to the guest. Uh, well, I, I do try to, to make it somewhat relevant because <laughs> I, I want to make it a little bit more interesting. And we're here all the time, so, you know, I, I, I need to do something. Speak for yourself, Kimosabi. <sighs> all right, we're supposed to be here all the time, and if you weren't babysitting someone who needed babysitting, you would have been well, here. Well, my fault. Yeah... Well, it's your fault that you've forgotten that you've scheduled this first. So, really it is. But it wasn't a big deal, so it's all right. Anyway, uh, this time around, I am going to 
uh, name a uh, trope within horror, and I want you to name your favorite portrayal of the trope. Oh, okay. As, as best you can. Sure. So uh, we'll start with... the best of my abilities. the best of your abilities. And, you know, if, if you come up with a better answer further down the list of something else, like, oh, I want to change the answer to this, feel free to, 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 to do that later. This um, is like a circle takes the square kind of thing, where it's like it's official. My one, <laughs> my one answer will live in history forever. For the people who listen to this podcast, probably. Okay. So uh, we'll, we'll start with some classic movie monsters. Uh, vampire. Um, am I answering too? You are, of course, answering, Dave. These are questions for everyone. And uh, you can answer as soon as you know your answer to make this go a little Vampire faster. Gary from, from Fright Night. It's my favorite vampire. This is the mind. Keeper Southern from Lost Boys. That's also wicked good. Uh, I, I gotta go with uh, the first time Christopher Lee portrayed Dracula in a Hammer film. And you also get some Cushing in there, which mm-hmm. you can't, yeah, you yeah, can't go on with the two of them together. You really can't. Uh, who's your favorite lycanthrope? Well, they don't. It, that's way too hard because you know, for me, it's going to be a split. It'll, if I have to pick a person, it's going to be Bridget, uh, Bridget from Ginger Snaps, and the second Ginger Snaps. She's my favorite werewolf. Ginger Snaps back, huh? Yeah, the second one I think is superior to the first, which I didn't think would be even remotely possible, but Bridget just is, her arc is so badass, and the whole time that she gets to spend with Ghost, and we all know how much I like mental institutions in my horror movies, <laughs> so, yeah, Bridget. I, I'm torn between Bridget and Ginger, definitely the, the two of them. I, I have a personal preference probably slightly towards Ginger in the first one. Um, mostly because I think the attitude she cops through the movie speaks to me a little bit more than, than Bridget's. Bridget's the the one who wants to fit in, I think, where Ginger's are like, fuck you, I'm me. Definitely. I think it's because Bridget, Bridget's strung out junkie. Ginger is embracing the wolfedness. Yeah. And I hate werewolves with burning, fiery passion of a hundred suns. Man, there's a lot of sun passion hate going on from your angle. I, 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 like, I, I seriously, I really just do not like werewolves at all. Um, but it's, it's for me, it's a toss-up between the, the dude in American Werewolf in London and American Werewolf in Paris. Right. Although I'm not actually sure that the version of American Werewolf in Paris that I saw was the one that was shown at release because I saw it four weeks before it was actually released in theaters, and I'm fairly certain they did a re-edit on it because nobody else that I, I knew liked the movie. So I like both of them. I just think London is the London, superior London is, is a classic. Well, better. Is, a, is definitely a better film, yeah. but um, I think I, I liked the portrayal of the the main character's name I cannot remember because I, like, I haven't seen Just it. Just call him that, the guy from that thing the, you do. Yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> the, the dude. Um, I think the, his, the the sarcastic attitude that he had about turning into a werewolf and even even after he realized that it was true, um, I, I like that a bit. And, uh, I mean, the original one obviously is a, is a better quality film, but so it's a toss-up for, mm-hmm. for those mm-hmm. on me. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and to uh, do the, the last of the big three trio, uh, who's your favorite construct slash flesh golem? Uh, I, I'm going to stretch mine a little bit in terms of the definition of what I will consider valid in this category, and I'm going to pick Sill from Species. Ooh. That's good. Hmm. Although I do like me a good uh, Boris Karloff Frankenstein. I'm going to go ahead and say Frankie from Monster Squad is my favorite. Nice. Just because getting Frankenstein to go, bogus and chuck, <laughs> chuck Dracula into the, the vortex, that's my favorite, my favorite construct. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say Ripley from Alien 4. <laughs> well played. Valid. Valid. That's so... Because... I, we talked about Ripley in the last episode, so I don't think I need to say more than that. No. Right. <laughs> right. I, 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 yep. I, yep. 
Uh, ghost. Favorite ghost character. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Not really my answer. Not really your answer. I'm going to go with just, this is going to be more of a recent than anything because we just talked about it on our show, but I'm going to go with the Hanging Judge from the Frighteners. It's my favorite ghost. I'm going to need a minute. Yeah, ghosts don't, and you know, I, I wrote these, you'd think I would have thought more about them, but no. I really don't. And, and ghosts specifically has the connotation of not only dead, but incorporeal. I mean, because Beetlejuice is not a zombie, but I mean, what would you call Beetlejuice? And technically, he's a malicious specter. He's a he, was, he was the ghostest of the mostest. The ghostest with the mostest. All right, so True. technically he's a ghost, so I'm going to go Beetlejuice, because that, 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 that makes it easy. Um, Ooh, I, I just read thought something construct-wise. Well, I really like... Well, I suppose it's not really horror, but uh, I do kind of like Edward Scissorhands, and he'd be a construct, too. So maybe it'll be a tie between Edward Scissorhands and Syl. That'd be a good fight. It'd be a fun fight to watch. Oh, Syl wins in a heartbeat. Those Scissorhands yeah. and that hair. Syl wins. Syl wins. There's no question. She's afraid of the hair. It's like River Tam. She's afraid of the hair. Um... Ghosts. I am just drawing a total blank on ghost horror film. Well, technically, it doesn't have to be horror. I suppose just you could pick your favorite ghost. Is it the thought process came you know, from that, the horror trope? I, I think I think the the ghost in the the remake of the Amityville Horror I think would be probably right up there. Um, because I, despite the ridiculously, it was it was such an unpredictable movie, and like something happened every three minutes. I know I timed it, um, but I I just liked the way that it was all done, and I liked the way that that character was was portrayed. And it's probably the most recent ghost horror film I've seen. I think I'm gonna change mine to a trolling answer. Okay, it's. The grandfather ghost from Troll 2. <laughs> that's the best on-screen ghost portrayal that's ever happened for me. Nice. <laughs> Grandpa's ghost in Troll 2, which takes place in Nilbog and has goblins in it. Nice. I love movies that just don't give a crap about anything, but they're supposed to be really We know that we're just weird, so we're just going to continue to be weird. <laughs> I, 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 our, our I've got a couple others that I, that I was thinking about doing. Let's do them. All right, all right. Uh, small creature that you wouldn't think would be able to kick your ass. Gremlin, easy. Yeah, I, I, that's why I didn't want to do this one because I think Gremlin pretty much. I mean, because they think about ghoulies. You, you come out of the toilet. You got the like, ghoulies. You got the critters. Whatever. I mean, really, Ooh, crit- like, critters. Are, critters are pretty rad, though. It's, yeah. For me, it's a toss up. Ooh, killer attack with killer tomatoes. Tomatoes are tough. The, uh, no, they're not. They're squishy. But they're, they're tough, man. They're not tough. But the, what about the big tomato when they grow from the little one to the big tomato? Well, yeah, but... I he mean, starts off small. He starts off small. He's kind of cute. And then he bites you and you're like, oh my god. And then he grows and you're like, fuck, I'm dead. The blob works too because he starts off small. and it's true. It's true. It's true. See? That, that. See? And all right. All right. There's more nuance than that. That's, than I that's right. Well, well the, the way I phrased it, that I guess the way I was thinking like, Swarming little creature. I'm but a, I'm well, again, again, killer tomatoes. Well, right, yours would work. I'd say the blob though was, was not one I would have expected to fall in there, but it does. It does start small. I'm splitting my between critters and, and gremlins. The two, the two most bankable small. I, I'm, I'm going to go with tomatoes. Okay, killer tomatoes. Solid. Uh, who is your favorite crazy human? Psychotic human. I, I think I'm gonna go old school classic. I mean, it's hard to argue the answer, but I think it really does fit for me. Uh, Norman Bates. I was actually I was, I was circling Norman Bates because, as you know, as someone who's listened to the show, you listen to us gush for basically an hour about how cinematically masterful that yeah. movie is. It is. It is brilliant. Um, just for the sake of being having a separate answer, I'm gonna go with uh, with Jack Torrance. From The Shining. Which, Damn it! Which is the event horizon on Earth in Hotel. Damn it! That was my answer. <laughs> well, well, we... um, I actually, I actually had another, another answer in mind. What was it? 
I, I, oh, I'm going to change my favorite ghost. The dude from Shocker. Oh, lovely. Which, was, we're, which we're watching Shocker this week on my show. Oh, so. perfect. Perfect. Um, what was my, what was my other, the other one that I was thinking of that I... I'm, I'm trying. I, I had another thought for this, so as to not play the easy answer of Norman Bates, and I'm trying to. I mean, there's plenty of great. I mean, Leatherface fits into Crazy Human because yeah. you know, Crazy Human Cannibal. He's yeah. He's fantastic in there. Um, Herbert West from Reanimator, pretty crazy. Um, well, I I can't remember what was my, what what my first thought was that I threw away for. Uh, for, for for the shine for Jack Nicholson and the Shining, but uh, so I, I think I'm gonna have to have to just say that Jack Nicholson and the Shining. Here's Jack. My my favorite my favorite moment in The Shining is definitely like Wendy, dear love of my life. I don't want to hurt you. I want to bash your fucking brains in. And it's just like that one's the line that works for me more than anything. At war, this is a, whether I'm typing or I'm not typing or whether the fuck I'm doing anything. Don't fucking come in. Here. Like <laughs> when he's very like he's right on the tipping point of like losing his entire shit. Definitely, it's it's that or it's Norman Bates. I don't think as far as like regular human beings being crazy goes. I don't think there's been two cinematic portrayals. Not a horror movie, but I guess Heath Ledger's Joker works too, because he's pretty insane. Yeah? Yeah? That was my co-worker's answer at work when I, when I threw these at, at, at him. I said, whether he thought they were a good idea. No, but I would, I would immediately go here. I wouldn't necessarily go horror. Yeah. So the last one, to, to wrap things up quickly, because we're uh, already, I think, longer than the first one. Uh, who's your favorite victim? <sighs> I actually have, have a have one after after this one. And and, and by victim, I, I'm not going to say someone who had to die, but someone who was tra- who was at the very least traumatized by the events, but could have been a survivor. So victim in a broad sense. Kincaid. Kincaid from Nightmare Three and Four. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm trying to think of who mine would be because I, I I've got like great death scenes, but it's not really favorite victim. I think her favorite victim is the person who I've been waiting to die, and then he finally dies, and it's like, yes, about time. And I'm, I'm not sure who that would be, but that that would be my victim is the one that the, the person who you hate and you're you're rooting to have die, and then finally dies. So I think generic. I'm just gonna say that trope is my favorite. Okay. Um. You know, it's got to be anybody who died in in any of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, because. Seriously, it's so good. They're just so good, all of them. Well, what does the map say? The map says we're fucked. Well, and Tina, Tina's death is legendary with the being drugged up the walls in the yeah. first one. Oh God, T- such a... Tina's is legendary. Plus, oh. she's the one. She's the she's the trick for the audience. She's the trick into thinking that she's our heroine because mm-hmm. you get her very. She's the very first person you see. Yep. And she's the trick, and she gets totally smoked. I mean, yeah. Nancy. Yeah, even Glenn and Rod from the first one, mm-hmm. and all the kids from three, you know, oh, yeah. all the yeah, kids from four, four, you know, they're all just so pretty amazing. And even even Carlos and six, and and the other like the Nightmare cast are probably if you want me to pick a whole group of victims, hands it's down, the, the Nightmare kids yeah. are, are are the ones I care about the most. Yeah, they're the ones I'm most bummed out about when they when they get taken out. For but, sure. And they, and but they all die cool. Yeah, like I mean, even the one who like Freddy feeds her to death and she explodes that's great you know and the kid who ends up in the mario game and the uh, the kid who gets high and yeah. oh he, he's the one who ends up in the mario game or when mark mark is turned into a motorcycle yeah. and crashes him yeah you know it's it's all just amazing so yeah that's those are my favorite videos yeah. i don't think i could kincaid is number one for me overall just because he's my favorite nightmare kid but that cast overall is my favorite game. I, I think I'm going to play my technicality <clears throat> role. I, I think I can with my, my favorite victim is Brad Pitt in Seven. Ooh. Emotional victim. Sure. Okay. Sure. He does get kind of shit on hardcore by Kevin Spacey, so... Yeah, yeah. True. It's All right, Dave, you have one. I, I have one. Who's your favorite horror doll? Horror doll? Mm-hmm, because there's... 
Christy Swanson in, in Deadly Friend. Because she's original Buffy was hot. And technically she counts because she's a robot toy. Yeah, that she does. She happens to be a that teenager. She does, that she and she does the she has the basketball death where she throws the basketball so hard someone's head blows up. <laughs> yes. Um I can't think of the character name, but uh, Daryl Hannah and Blade Runner. Hmm. Excellent choice. Excellent choice. I, I have to go with Blade from Puppet Master. He is a lovely He's a great puppet. My, I think my favorite Puppet Master character, though, is Six Shooter. He'll always oh, be my, he is so cool. Six he Shooter will always so be my cool. favorite. But Blade is the leader, you know, and he's got he's he's the he's, classic. He's just so stoic that I just <clears throat> I, I I was so sad that I didn't pick I, I couldn't get one of the Blade figures when they came out with the with the Todd McFarlane figures. Oh yeah, the sideshow like the uh, yeah, yeah, those yeah. were really neat. Yeah. My store did. I don't think we either. We didn't get a blade, or had somebody who pre-ordered it. And we only got one something. But yeah, that was. He's my favorite. All right. Well, then it's time to close this out with a toast, Dave. Are we uh, gonna yeah. drink bad luck here, or are we gonna? Uh, oh, yeah. Right, right. Give us a pour of something. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna pull something off the shelf behind me uh, for my personal collection, so as to. Uh, not have more of what we had in this episode because <laughs> neither of them really were anything for me. So I'm going to harken back to the Edra door. And we poured, and I even have a toast ready, kind of. Kind of. On my phone, you know, it's here. Well, my notes are on the phone, so I can't bitch. That's all right. So let's see here. <clears throat> Here's to the man who can say he's seen many a happier day and yet feels that life's worthwhile and meets it with a jovial smile. Watch. So, uh,